just the general tone of this conversation. I need to listen to more episodes. I think that doesn't get nearly enough attention. So you guys are doing a service with this type of podcast. All right. How's it going today, Scott? No, I'm excited about this one. Looking forward to recap of Nashville and our, and our time there. For me, someone asked me yesterday if I got value from it, and I got huge value back from Nashville. I, I thought it was great in many ways. I like the smaller setting. I like the, the, all of the breakouts were good. Amy Highnote was just like, man, she delivered in a big way. And the person I was talking to said, what changed from, what changed with you from this conference? And I said, yeah, it's easy. I'm never going to Burma again. I'll just stick with these types of conferences. Yeah, hugely valuable. And Adam and I talk a lot about the messaging and and I talked pretty openly and pretty directly about how, where I landed with the Burma opening and the Dharm opening was the exact opposite. And I'm not looking for doom and gloom and for everyone to stand up and say, oh, the sky is falling. The, the difference with the Dharm opening is the key data folks stepped up and they just said, here's what's happening. And it's tentative and it's a little worrisome. And here's the areas you need to be worried about. And I thought AirDNA did a great job on the second day, backstopping it and really giving you the actionable stuff in between. And, and that's where I come from. And can we have honest conversation? Because I can tell you from where I was it set the tone for the rest of the conference. I think it opened people up. I think there was much more valuable conversation happening amongst everyone. I think it stopped everyone from the ever-present at Verma. Everything's great with us. Oh, our market hasn't slowed down at all. When you start the conference with, yes, your market's slowed down, unless you're the 16% that isn't counted in all of the data we've aggregated, right? And, and I thought it was disarming and I thought it was a great way to, to set the tone. And I think it led to certainly a great outcome from my perspective. And, and I think that was universal. So I'm out on Verma. You guys will not see me there next year because I know we had a great time. We'll just have to meet wherever Darm is next year. That's my deal. No, that's acceptable to me. The The desert will be fun. I can't make that declaration on my side of things, but it's all good. Yeah, it's like Sprinkle's not a doctor, but if he was, I would trust him to be my doctor because he's going to tell to me straight. You know what I mean? He's not going to sit there and put a bunch of nonsense on there. So you're right. It may not have all the, the fireworks and flashes that some of the VRMA presentations or keynotes do, but it was so great to, oh yeah, like I have noticed that. Oh, yep. Okay. That backs up what I've seen. And I get a pretty wide swath of data, right? I get to work with all these different clients and I get to see what's going on. And a lot of what he said, I'm like, that makes complete sense to me. And it's, it, I, I was talking to a client. I think I actually have a call with them later today. They're in a market in Texas. I'll just say that not to be out them or whatever. But they ended the year down like 3%. And I was like, that's fantastic. You know what I mean? I was like, there's so many people that got crushed. And now I have more data to go and back up and not just say that, but actually give examples like, oh, we were here and here's the stuff that we're looking at. So love the truth telling aspect of it in a more straightforward way. And I think that was a good opener. Adam, what was your point of view on Dharm and getting going there at the content, the sessions and the venue itself? Yeah, I would, I would agree with, with Scott. It was a bold statement saying that he won't be back at, at Verma. So maybe that means that I have to go in his place. I'm not sure. We'll have, to, we'll have to see next October where we end up. But I agree with Scott's perspective there. So I won't go too deep there. But I don't have much of a sports analogy. This is a back-to-back -back recording. But what I will say is I'm focused on this evolution side of things and setting big goals. And I'll just plug a couple of good books that I think are worthwhile if you haven't heard of them or, or read them. Good to Great, they talk about big, hairy, audacious goals, a, a BHAG. I, I think that's a, a really nice way to think about it. There's another good book called The Power of Big Thinking, I, th I think it's called. But I, I think there's value in putting big goals or big ideas in front of you. And you know, you shoot for the moon or you shoot for the stars. And if you don't land there, you land on the moon type of thing. 
And I was watching the finals for the NCAA college, men's college soccer last night and number nine beat number two. And you can look at that. And when I watch it, I'm watching with my son and, and I'm sitting there talking to him. And I'm thinking, you know, I think that we can get boys to play at that level. Now, in my mind, maybe that's just a huge goal and maybe we never do. But maybe what that does is allow us to step up a, to a point where maybe we're able to play D2 or, or D3. What does it matter? Just get to that next level. And I'm trying to do that with my boys on my team when I set their practice outside of the team. I want you to run. I want you to juggle. I want you to do all these things. But I, I set them really high knowing that most people aren't going to hit those high ones. They're probably going to hit half or maybe one third of what I'm asking them to do. And I think we're in that place in this industry. And when I go to these conferences, Verma seems like there's a huge opportunity to improve. And everybody was talking about that. And Scott touched on a couple of things. And you go to Darm, and I, I think that's a step up. There was an evolution there. When we're having the discussions that we're having at Darm, those aren't the same discussions we're having at Verma. And I look back on it and I wonder why. Is it because of the people that are there? Is it because of the structure of the conference? But Darm just seemed to flow better. It seemed to have more of an open sharing of information. And the information that was being shared was at a higher level, more open. It felt like people were sharing their ideas and we were getting to bigger resolution about not only where this year is ending, but hopefully you know, where the, the next year is taking us. Now, I, I still think there's a lot of variables, even with as straight as these guys are trying to shoot on the data side of things. I, I still feel like there's a lot of potential downside, and I, I still feel like we're erring on the side of everything's going to be positive, but that is what it is. It's nice to hear them talking a little bit more straightforward, but when I think about everything we're doing, I, I do still think this relates to DARM. I think we do have to think about that bigger goal and what we're trying to accomplish, and I don't even really know what that is, right, because I'm not out there forming these conferences and trying to understand what it should look like in two years or five years, but I still think we're evolving. As much as I do think this was an improvement from Verma it still felt like Verma to me, right? It still felt like this conference. I, I feel like there's something beyond this. I just can't put my finger on it quite yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it's hard to settle on what formats people actually want because it's a classic, you ask 10 people, you're going to get 10 different opinions. That's the tricky part from sitting in Amy's seat or if you're sitting at the VRMA seat, like how do I make everybody happy? That's a hard part for sure. So Rebecca's joined us as well. Um, Rebecca and Shane is going to hop on here in a little bit. We're going to go over the Women's Summit, but Rebecca just wanted to welcome you. Um, we'll come back to you, I guess, when we do Women's Summit thing. But how was your experience there overall? And what was your point of view at the Women's Summit? Was it your first or had you been there before as well? Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is my second time at the Women's Summit, and it was just as amazing as the last time I remember. <laughs> it was overall very valuable. Right on. Awesome. But yeah, we're, we're going to come back. So put a pin in that, Rebecca, and we will certainly circle back your direction. But back to your thoughts, kind of, Adam, there about what's the right format. I, I don't know what the right format is either, to be honest with you. I think our session was a little bit more accessible for the people in terms of we gave practical examples. We had even, this is going to sound you know silly, but I think it matters, the room that we had that I had at VRMA was very different than the room that I had at DARM, where it was like everyone was sitting like at our level and I could look into people's you know eyes and get a little bit closer to them, which I think can help if they have questions or if they have feedback. At Verma, like I'm literally put on a stage that it's seven, eight feet above everybody. And obviously I don't feel like I really am connected with anyone attending. So I, I don't know. I, I guess the question is, what do, what do you think people actually, I guess, what do they want? What do they need? Maybe it's two different questions. Maybe you can answer those questions for me. What do they want? What do they need with respect to coming to these conferences? Yeah, I hadn't thought about the stage. I, th I think you're entirely right. The Verma room that you were in versus the Verma or the Darm room that you and I are in, being on the same level with people, I think makes a lot of difference. I think the size of the room makes a huge difference. Not having people overflow into the hallway makes a huge difference. So I do think that the environment that you're in needs to be well thought through. And I think that's going to be 
more and more intentional. The people who are building these conferences need to think about the environment that people are in on a daily basis. And then how can we recreate that to some degree to make everybody feel as comfortable as possible? Because I do think that comfort is one of the things that we're looking for out of these conferences. Yes, it's a business setting, but at the same time, we're trying to get people comfortable enough to engage and open themselves up in order to have some, what we would hope are, are difficult discussions, right? You're not going to this conference because you want to get patted on the back and you want to hear about how everything is going to be great. You're going to these conferences so that you can have difficult discussions, so that you can share what your challenges are, so that you can figure out where are the opportunities and learn from other people. And maybe that's ultimately where I have uh, some of this push and pull about where I think these conferences should go is I feel like it should be more engaging. I still feel like for much of the audience, it's a lot of go to the conference, sit in the back room, listen to someone talk to me, and then maybe take a few notes, leave and hope that I put something into practice. And I, I just don't know that in the long term that I'm going to continue investing my resources in a conference structure like that, because I don't know how much I'm getting out of it. We've touched on it uh, in the past that Verma back in, in the day, there was a lot of information that we would take from that you could then actionable execute when you left there. But that happened to be the time where things were changing greatly, right? Marketing was shifting from print to online. And there was a lot of practical information that you needed to consume to go back and execute on your stage. I, I'm not sure what we're looking for today to get out of these conferences. If it's just to get an update on the industry, then do I really need to fly to Nashville to get an update on the industry? Now, that's not to take away from what Amy created. I think what Amy created is fantastic. And it's a step above what we're used to. But then again, what is that step above, right? Was it the food's better quality? Was it the rooms were more comfortable? Was it that Will was there so we got to hear a, a published speaker? I'm not sure what the overall value is. I guess that's still what I'm wrestling with a little bit is what are we trying to get out of these conferences? Are we really getting to the crux and the core of, of what our issues are? And if once we get there, are we finding solutions or resolutions or at least some paths forward? I don't know that I left any of these conferences this year with that. Scott, same question. What do you think people need and what do you think people want from the conferences? I think it's tricky. Yeah, I think it's authenticity, right? And I think it's genuine conversation, right? Verma to me is some hybrid behind between a class reunion and a pep rally, right? It's, it's the moment where everyone gets together and, right, and they're bringing their entire teams, right? And, it, and, and again, I'm not shaming that level of event, right? And, and maybe it has a place where I thought DARM was practical, right? Here's actual numbers. Here's where you should be focusing on. Here's what the upcoming opportunities or challenges are. Now let, let's talk about them. And I thought the framework would lended itself very clearly to, you do have work to do. Things aren't all right. Things are going to get harder. Here's the way the booking window is going to shift. And I think if, if people already didn't admit that to themselves, I think it at least spurred them to say, maybe I should look at this. I think that's the missing component. And again, I'm not looking, I don't think it's got to be doom and gloom, but I think it's got to be something connected with where things actually are and, and have a tool chest of, of how you push this forward. You look at Will, and I think Will was a, a big draw. I don't think he was the, the big bill that got everyone there, but I think he was perfect for it. He delivered super well. But even in the Will conversation, I think we all talked about this, his interaction with Simon at the end was like, it, that's when it turned into like solid, real gold. And what came of it? It was real questions. It was Simon 
being very authentic, very real, and walked straight into a Will Jackhammer, right? Where Will looks over and goes, you think that your industry is hard? That's what everyone says. Yeah. And, and then I'll that. even push that forward. The next morning, Simon, in his recap of, of day one, leans into that and says, man, he tore me up. But listen, how right was he? So I, I think that that was this moment of this genuine, real good interaction. I think taking time to take questions from the audience, home run, right? It was Tom Goodwin's marketing director when she asked, and, and the most pointed question, right, of, hey, how do you give unreasonable hospitality to someone that doesn't deserve it? And you look at that and go, that's a real damn question. That's a real question. And that question drew so much conversation. And even Will and Rebecca, you weren't there, but Will was just like shooting us down one after another. Yeah, stop saying it's hard. Everyone thinks their stuff is hard. Yeah, stop saying we don't know. You do know, right? And he starts throwing out some stuff and everyone starts writing down notes of, oh, that's a great idea. And he's on stage having just stayed with a vacation rental company, having referred to an Airbnb, which caused the crowd to gasp. But he starts pre presenting like these solutions. Hey, stop talking about challenges. Let's talk about solutions. So I think that's the difference. I haven't been at a Verma, Conrad, where I've seen that level of real active engagement and a real moment like that. And I mean, that those were harder questions, but they were super, super valuable. And, and they took time to answer them and answer them with thought. Yeah. The, the subtext of that I thought was delightful, which is you think selling a $1,200, $2,000, $5,000 vacation rental is hard. Why don't you try selling $4, $7 sandwiches or hamburgers and try to make money doing that? And you're limited by a, a geography, maybe of a mile or two miles or five miles. Your margins are razor thin. Your labor is constantly leaving and getting sick and not showing up. Yeah. I, I think he nailed it with that because as any, he did the classic raise your hand if you worked in the restaurant industry. And I didn't spend as much time in there as I'm sure a lot of folks have. I spent really two summers in there, to be honest with you, at a family restaurant, my wife family's restaurant. And I was like, this is brutal. This is hard. It's hard on me. And honestly, I didn't even make that much money doing it. It's actually easier to work at the grocery store, I'll be honest, when I was in high school and college or whatever. But yeah, I liked all those things that he was going through, Scott, because it is so true. And going back to Adam's note from a second ago about having big, hairy, audacious goals and make, setting goals up. The only pushback that I would have on that idea, Adam, and this is where I think I just tend to be very practical. I tend to be very like, what can we do next? All right, next step. Okay, let's knock that down. Okay, next step. Let's knock that down. Is how do we not discourage people in that scenario? So where we give them so much or we overwhelm them and then they don't actually know where to begin. And when I was putting together actually my book outline, I thought about that a lot of, I feel like that's where I've failed to connect with people in the past is I show them an example of someone that's really far along in their journey of their vacational company. And I give them, oh, look, this company did this amount of revenue, or I would love to show early on in my career examples of the clients that spent the most money on Google ads. Now, when I share things online and stuff like that, I actually try to have some variety. Luckily, we have big clients and that's great. And you can learn something from how they deploy marketing or dollars or things like that. But I try to give lots of examples of small things too. I try to give lots of examples of here you can spend $1,000 a month. Here's how you can spend $500 a month and at least get some level of success. So I guess going back to you, Adam, how do you find the practicality between having this big goal, but also not discouraging team members? I have seen that in my own career where people set these unrealistic goals and it actually just the team gets deflated because they can't hit them. Yeah. So let me be clear there. I actually don't like the concept of goals. Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to set this goal and this is my only focus. I like systems in order to accomplish whatever that particular, and I'll use the word goal loosely because that's, I'm thinking about it differently. And there's a number of, of people that talk like this though. The one that sort of spun me onto it was this guy, Scott Adams, who created Dilbert. He talks about systems thinking over goal thinking quite a bit. So that's when I say that, I think about it from a systems 
perspective. So again, using soccer as the analogy, I'm going to tell my boys to go out and practice on their own. When they're at practice, it's because we're learning to work as a team. It's because they're learning the nuances of soccer. It's because they're building a relationship with me as a coach, but their fitness level happens at home. Their ball control happens at home. They're juggling and dribbling and passing and shooting. That stuff has to happen at home. You can refine it when you come to practice, but all of those core foundational needs have to happen on your own because there just isn't time enough for us to teach everybody all of those things. So I think about that similarly in, in just about everything I do. And to your example there, Conrad, I would break down whatever that big goal is into small steps and then go after each one of those small steps on a consistent basis. In fact, the last episode we were recording with Legendeering was talking about that same concept. Consistency is, is very important. I think consistency actually wins probably every time, right? If you're doing that one thing consistently, you're going to be really good at it, or at least going to perform well enough against someone who might not be doing it on a regular basis, even if they have better skills than you, more resources than you, whatever it might be. So my perspective on it is small doses consistently will get you to that bigger picture. Now, how does that correlate back to what we're trying to accomplish either at the DARM conferences or conferences in general, and then across the industry? I think it's the same concept where we're trying to break whatever those big goals are, whatever the, the big concepts are down into those smaller chunks from a marketing perspective and, and using legendeering as that example, I break the storylines into those smaller stories. And then I go out and execute each one of those smaller stories that kind of builds that overall video concept from a conference perspective. I like the way Scott broke it down. And I actually took a step back and thought about it as I came away from it. I do think there was value in building that overall sort of industry concept. Hey, here's the state. It might not be as good as you thought, but we've got to put X, Y, and Z in place to really execute going forward. Now, did I take enough away from that? I guess two things. One, did I go into that conference not knowing those things or not thinking those things? And if I didn't, then the light bulb went off and that's worth the price of admission. But if I went into it, I guess you're just reinforcing what I was already believing. But me on the outside of that, did I leave it with enough actionable items? I don't know that I left it with enough actionable items. And I feel like the authenticity, those discussions, getting to the core of some of those discussions that Scott is talking about, I don't know how to open people up on a conference level fast enough to get to those discussions, but I agree that's where the real value of these conferences comes from. It's that human interaction and, and being able to understand what the challenges are and what some other people might see as solutions. Yeah, I guess, and as someone that's put together content for these sessions before, I guess the piece that I struggle with is I don't know what the level of the person attending. And that's where I feel like, and I've done this in the past, right? I've gone way over people or I've gone way under people. But I, I would say, to be honest with you, I think that happened in one of our sessions. I got a, a text from someone who was attending in one of the sessions that I attended and he went, this was too basic for him, which it might've been too basic for this particular person, but it doesn't mean that it was too basic for someone else. Someone else was attending and go, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, like I, now I know they felt more educated they felt more aware of what was going on. So that's the hardest part is like, how do you bucket people based on their, what they're trying to get out of it into maybe more discrete or smaller groups. And then maybe once I know these people at this table are looking for this thing, I can get, I think I personally can deliver a lot better value and information when I know what level of soccer skill you have or what level of vacational marketing skill you have. If I hate to go way under people or way over people, because then I just miss the point. I don't make any progress. So I guess that's the tricky part, Scott. How do you organize that many people and then get them somewhat aligned or grouped together to be appropriate for their knowledge or their skill level, or like I was saying earlier, what they're trying to get out of it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the the tracks, right, and, and that, that track approach is, is what Amy's started to build. But to your point, Conrad, I, I think it's the ability to then refine it even further and beginner, intermediate, and advanced, right? If you could get it to that level, 
to to break it down because I, I'm with you, Conrad. You could even see as I sat through a few of these, there were people taking notes like crazy, right? And then you could see the other people that were just, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it, just another. So I think if we could get it to just open, hey, this is a beginner style session, right? You're going to learn the basics here, right? And have that content for everyone, but just put it out there. And again, just be, hey, this is a track for beginners, the newbies. This is a track for the middle people. This is a track for you disgruntled old veterans that are here and you hate Airbnb and everyone else, right? So I think there's something to that, but I think it, it's the clarity, right? And it's starting to get specific. And I, I think, you know, one of my views is the more clear you are on who you are and what you're trying to do, I think that's you bringing that into the conference environment is going to pull more from it. For us, it was, we were wrestling and, and I hate to even say this. And if Anurag's listening, don't worry, we, we found the, the right solution, but we were actually talking about, is it Price Labs or is it Wheelhouse, right? And for us, it worked out because both of them were on stage and, and presenting in the battleground. Right. And, and Wheelhouse went first and Adam and I both looked at each other. Oh, wait a minute. But then the Price Lab guys came right behind. Anarog does what Anarog does. And you can go, okay, check. But it was a real moment that had real value. And I think the other aspect for me is, and I, and I think this is, this is the missing component, right? Is when you come to these things, right? Does everyone want to go do what everyone else is doing? And listen, I'm not throwing any shade at Brooke whatsoever, but the best example is the assumption that everyone wants to go from zero to 500 properties, right? I think we all go into this going, yeah, that's what we're doing. But if you look at it and go, no, that's not for everyone, right? And if you want to, Brooke's got a hell of a track for you and that's the way to go. But what about the curated version of that, right? And I think there's the, we're a part of that, right? I mean, we heard, we've heard the little scuttle of, oh, Adam and Scott aren't growing fast. It's like, First of all, we never said we were growing fast. And second of all, that's what we're building. We're building something very specific. But again, you can look around the room and go, I like what Valerie's building with Juniper. And again, it's that same thing. She's just got this, she's specific and man, that's what she's going after. And, and so I think the more clarity that you can bring to the conference, the the better off, that the more value that you get from it. Yeah. And I'm very biased here because I'm the speaker and I want people to, hopefully I keep getting speaking slots in the future, but man, I would like some good questions too. Sometimes I don't get any questions or the questions I get aren't very good. And par partially perhaps that's because I go all the way to the end of time. Adam got, I don't want to say attacked, but like Adam got like someone who disagreed with this premise and like the sales pro Adam is, no one can knock him off his spot. He was perfectly fine. That would have thrown me a little bit for the loop, but I, I don't even know who that individual was. Maybe they're listening. Maybe they're not. Maybe they have a vendetta against you. I have no idea, but he pushed against your idea. And part of me was like a little upset that happened, but then part of is I prefer that. I prefer some real questions. He could have been a little more friendly about it, but I prefer some real questions over people just nodding their heads and going along with whatever I'm saying. Like maybe I'm wrong or to Scott's point, maybe you have the wrong point of view or like you're looking at it from this side. I'm looking at it from this side and I see it differently. Ask me a question and maybe we can learn something from it. So I don't know if you want to address that, Adam, but it was just something that happened during our session and I wanted to see your thoughts. No, I, I agree. I think that having feedback from the audience and engagement is always going to be more entertaining, not only for the person presenting, but for the audience as well. So I think there's value. Now, there obviously crosses a line where you start to to waste time and everybody's there for a certain purpose. So I, I think that one started to get a little antagonistic and well, I was trying to shut it down as quickly as I can. Overall, I agree. I think that the more engagement we can have. Now, I guess that where I would go with this, because I think DARM sort of fits that standard conference model that we're all used to. You got Verm, Verm DARM, they all fit it. But as we said, DARM is, is a little bit of a step up. But the one that we hear different, the one that we consistently hear is, is so much 
uh, better or at least raised above all the rest of them is the Women's Summit. Now, clearly half of this group has not gone to the Women's Summit and, and the other half have. So I guess my question is over to Shana and Rebecca is what sets the Women's Summit apart? Why is that one so different? You want to talk about authenticity. <laughs> uh, I'll toss back to what Scott was saying with the real value is the authenticity and how do I take what I've learned and apply it. The Women's Summit takes everything a bit deeper where it's like, what challenges have you faced that we've all faced and how can we come together to, to learn from them and go forward? And it hits on such a deeper level that it becomes authentic. And I noticed that this year's conference had a theme. It seemed like a lot of people or a lot of companies were in this transition period. And so tapping into that universal consciousness of we're all in a transition together what tools are you using? How can we all make it through? And then it becomes so practical and how you can apply it when you get back and inspirational. So I think Amy found this beautiful balance between being informational and inspirational. What do you think, Shana? I feel like it was just so nice to come together as like women supporting women. And that was the theme, I think, like just all of us could be there together. In fact, we sat down on a table with two other people that were in marketing and we're like, how can we help each other? And you can't really do that at Verma. You can't really do that at Darm. But we sat there, hey, there's certain things that we might be able to not might not be able to do that you might be able to do. Maybe we can like work out something to feed those leads to each other. And I just feel like it was more of a of a group coming together versus everyone's rushing around, going to the next session. It was like we we're all just there together, obviously going to different sessions, but like for one common reason, just to be there to support each other. Yeah, I remember the first one of the two that I've been to, I remember coming away feeling, wow, I didn't feel like a black labeled vendor. I felt like a human being. I felt like I was able to connect with other human beings. And it was really nice. Yeah. And Shana, we talked about this offline when we got back from the conference and you said, maybe we didn't get as many opportunities, you and I, from this. Of course, some opportunities hopefully will come our way and time will tell. We joke that we can judge the conference 90 days later, perhaps, as far as how successful it was for assigning new business. But I was like, and that's okay. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be this thing where every single conference needs to be this sort of meat market where it's, to your point, Rebecca, there's all these vendors, there's all these vacational managers. The vacational manager walks by and I know in some conferences, the lanyard will be a different color and then the folks like Adam that used to be in sales would just start to tear into you. Hey man, what's going on? What do you need? And I, I feel like it can be a little bit that way at VRMA. People pin their whole hopes on that on the vendor side, which can be problematic. The rental manager there is to learn, the vendor manager, the vendor is there to sell, and that can be a little bit problematic there. So I don't know what your perspective is on that, Shana. We talked about it before we arrived. Like certainly we look for new opportunities, but I think I try not to put too much pressure on you. It's more so just the conversation of if you meet people and if like you said, you like went out to dinner with an existing client we had, you went out to dinner with someone that actually canceled, who might be listening, who knows, and you may be able to get them back. But I'm like, them seeing you and connecting with you as a person might lead them to maybe be more successful if we get to work with them in the future. That's my frame on it. Yeah. I just looked at it as going in to just try to meet everybody I could and not try to get business actually. So don't fire me for that. No, I'm kidding. It was just more of a building relationships and like really being there to actually support each other. And it was, I've never been to the Women's Summit. So it was really nice to actually go and experience it. And hopefully I can go again next year. Is So is that, that the right alignment, Scott, to go back to your kind of commentary from a little bit ago is to actually have not like less expectations, but think of it more of I'm going to connect and meet interesting people and less like it needs to achieve some certain objective as far as learning or education. And then naturally, it's going to come a little bit easier when you don't put these unfair expectations on it. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think in that connection, I think you also start to learn who you can really count on. And I think 
quite honestly, the women in the industry have done that far better than the rest of the industry. As I've stepped back to look at this, you can get caught in the vortex of the loudest voices, right? And Adam and I have been in and out and Adam and I have been asked which side we're on, right? When it comes to some of these voices. And I think that's the missing piece that we have at the conference broad, right? Is the, the voices, if you can look, step back and take a look at these voices, what you're going to find is some of the loudest voices and some of the big kind of fuss is all coming from the same circle. So you you hear some buzz and you hear it. And if you really step back and take a look at where the buzz is coming from, some of it's in the same circle of people, the same circle of companies. And, and I think the women's conference cuts through that, right? Because it, it fosters real genuine connection. And, and I think that a lot of people are afraid of that. Um, and I think Verma is more of the everyone can be their big audacious self and, and execute on little and talk a lot. And I think in my perspective is that the women's conference cuts through that and it's about what you're doing and it's about action instead of talking. And, and that's just my perspective. And, and I think that brings the authenticity. I think that's the missing component on our side is just go there with what you have in mind and be able to find the right people to have the conversation with. I think that's very difficult in the more broader sense. That, as, and I'm doing a terrible job explaining it, but I think you got to find a way to cut through the voices and cut through the noise. And it, to me, based on everything that I see and hear, the Women's Summit has done that and done it, it extremely effectively. Yeah. And it's the stuff that happens outside the sessions too. Like Shana started off with a morning of wellness and yoga. I think one woman was like almost in tears just after the meditation session of just releasing anxiety, releasing all the stress. Right. And you start the conference with like morning meditation, morning yoga. That's a totally different tone than Burma. Totally different. It was beautiful. And then you have Ashley Chang from Inhaven curating the most like bombshell dinner collection of these women, like Amber and Dawn and like it it was phenomenal seeing all these women in one room but the feeling at this dinner was like hi how are you let's catch up it wasn't about being grandiose or touting it was just a great group of people and in fact I was talking with Emily and a few of others we all overlap a little bit in what we do and it wasn't like bombastic of comparing each other it was like how can, where can we help each other? Where can we come together? And one of the speakers was about, she taught this history lesson of how a women's coalition helped get the right to vote. And after that, I was really inspired and was talking to women like, hey, even though these women's coalition didn't agree with each other on many things, they got together to get us the right to vote. How can we get together to get us more business <laughs> between each other, right? And that, and guests and clients and all of that. So that's, that was the tone of, of the Women's Summit. Yeah, maybe Shannon, you could talk on that wellness sessions or just like your idea, because I, I know you wanted to do that idea previously and weren't necessarily offer, uh, afforded the opportunity to do so. I guess I'm curious how that went. Maybe you could talk about that, both like the practical reason behind it and then like your experience doing it at this at the conference. So I'm a certified yoga instructor and meditation instructor. And so I've just been able to help other people access like their inner voice, their inner calm, just in my everyday life. And so I've always thought it needed to come into business. So I've actually gone to other businesses and done this before, but I thought the vacation rental industry, we're always running around hustling, especially property managers. You have a lot on your plate. Do you take the time to decompress? And so I thought 
why not offer this at a conference? So again, I tried at a different conference and didn't end up going through. And so I approached Amy and she said, as long as I have a spot for you, of course. So basically I just led a session where it was a blend of yoga and meditation. And I gave the ladies some mantras and some tactics that they could use when they go back home to foster self-love, reset their central nervous system through box breath. And yeah, like Rebecca said, at the end, I had a couple ladies crying on the first session. And then the second session I led, the woman came up and she said, I've never done yoga. And I'm going to, as soon as I get home, I'm going to go find a yoga studio because this was hands down what I need. And then my heart was like, this is why I was here. And I'm so thankful for Amy for allowing me to bring it to the to Women's Summit. And I think you said the second day attendance would have been a lot better had it not been after a night of drinking and uh, restauranting, barring. So the second was a really night, good second, band. It was a really good band. It was <laughs> really good. And everyone stayed out pretty late. But so I had about half the attendance the next morning. So maybe we'll adjust that next year to a later time. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Amy joked about that at a previous Darm that I went to where it started at like 8.30 or 9.30 the second day intentionally. Because she was like, yeah, guys, I get it. We'll go ahead and start later or something like that. So that's okay, Shannon. We're learning. We'll figure out the best way of, of proceeding from here. But yeah, Adam, to tie back your direction, your thought about that, that the ideas that Rebecca was talking about, collaboration seemed a little bit more commonplace from her kind of point of view at the Women's Summit. When it got to Darm, did we lose a little bit of that? I guess we weren't there, so we're basing it off of other people's opinions. But um, what's your frame on that? Is that there a collaboration angle to it? Or is it more, what's your best way of approaching that? Well, I, so I'm, I appreciate this conversation because it's it's helped me think about things from a couple different perspectives. So the, the first one is that uh, this industry has been through a really strong growth phase for, let's call it 15 years. With a growth phase comes expectations for the businesses and the salespeople. And I think part of the, the challenge that we have is that the conference and the goals of the conference might be at odds with the goals of the attendees. And I think we've got to figure out how do we balance some of that. The conference is there to yes, spread some information, but at the end of the day, they have to pay their bills and they pay their bills by the sponsors, the vendors who come. Then the vendors, in addition to that, put pressure on their sales teams to go out and sell because these conferences, you got all these people in this room, you better come away with some sales. So there's a huge amount of pressure on the conference side, on the vendor side. And, and I've lived that, right? Just like Conrad is saying, you get into this room, you've got all of these competing vendors, You've got a limited amount of attention from these managers. Most of the managers don't want to even go into the vendor room because of that sort of conflict that you're going to have. Hey, I've got to go talk to these vendors. So I think that you're almost naturally building this animosity when you build out these conferences. Then you take it down to the attendee level and you have all that back and forth that we were having before. But listening to one thing that they mentioned about the Women's Summit changed my perspective on things. And I don't think this... Uh, necessarily answers the overall concept of where should conferences go, but it, it could at least, it opens up for me, potentially opens up for other attendees. Shannon mentioned that when they sat down at the Women's Summit with those other two marketers at the table, the first thing they asked was, how can I help? I think that if we reframe what we're trying to accomplish with how can I help, that's how sales happen anyway. That's how relationships are built. Sales don't happen because you walked by me and I grabbed your arm and said, hey, look at this. They happen because you trusted me. I became a trusted source for whatever reason. I point you in the right direction for a relationship. I introduce you to a new tool. Whatever that is, you're there at that conference for a reason. It almost should be that every conversation should start with, hey, why are you here? How can I help you? Who, do, who are you trying to meet? What solution are you looking for? I feel like if we start from there, maybe we get closer to that authenticity and I'm going to test it. I think that's the way I'm going to approach these conferences from now on. When I'm engaging with someone, it's how can I help you rather than trying to 
have that back and forth, that small talk. Let's cut to it. Let's figure out why are you here? I want to try to help you with that. So that's the way I'm reframing it. Yeah, I like that. I don't open with that either, Adam, to be honest with you. And there was a time where I was inside of a booth and we, in fact, created tactics and techniques to try to get people to stay in the booth longer. So my favorite, I'll give this one away. This is all the vendors that still run booths. Maybe we'll do a booth in the future. Uh, You ask, hey, do you want a free t-shirt? Sure, I'll do a free t-shirt, do some kind of free thing. Oh, what size are you? And then what I would do is I'd go behind the booth. I knew what size t-shirt you were. I could figure out pretty quickly. And then I would pretend to look for the t-shirt and then our salesperson would actually approach you and be sitting there. Oh, tell me about your company. What do you need? And so on. And that was the opener of how we got booth sales done. So there you go. I gave away one of my booth secrets when I used to do booth stuff. But you're right, Adam. It's We create these little things as a way to get people to come to the booth. And there's all these kind of marketing stunts that people try to run to get people to come to the booth. No one really asked that question or it's very uncommon, I would say. How can we help you? And maybe the right answer is, hey, I have a PMS. I'm happy with my PMS. I'm not changing. So if you're at a PMS booth, the answer may be, oh, but I'm really struggling with my lock system. I'm really struggling with marketing. I'm really struggling with whatever accounting or whatever. Oh, actually, I know these guys. A lot of our clients use these guys or this group of people. Go check them out. In fact, I'll walk you over there. And to your point, who knows? That could lead to some interaction five years down the road when they need a new PMS that ends up the right direction. But it's that's the way that works, Adam, is if maybe the a little bit less pressure maybe is put on them and a little bit more realistic expectations are put on them as well. On the and I'm, I'm hopeful that with the economic climate that we start to have some more realistic expectations because that's why I led with that, right? The growth curve that we've been in has set these expectations. So hopefully that adjusts a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Scott, any departing thoughts? I know we're coming up against the time-wise here, but we were able to hopefully do justice to these recaps from your end as well. Yeah, I think it was great. Um, it's great to have the five of us back. I, I missed our, our time together in Nashville when, when Rebecca said she's headed out. Had a sad moment, but but I, I have two questions, both for Shana. Both are important. One, Shana, is your first time on the podcast, so you got to pick a song that best oh, describes yeah. you, so we can add it to the Spotify list. And then the other one may be harder, but I just we have to ask who won at air hockey, you or Conrad? Oh, hundred percent, I did. Oh, brother, we right. did the pretzel debate. It didn't go all the way in, but we'll yeah. have a rematch at some point. Yeah, it's actually true. We went and looked at the rules and basically we played air hockey together down in Florida. And it turns out if the puck crosses at all, it is a goal. So there we go. I lost. There we go. Oh, I'll okay. admit it here. Okay. Right. And a song that best describes go. you. Scott is right. I'm doing a bad job at hosting. Shana, a song that best describes you really putting you on the spot. So you'll have to come up with something quick. I'm just going to say Green Day because I can't pick one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hopefully not American Idiot. No, I've been a fan since I was young because I have older brothers. So one of their songs. All right. All right. We'll get her more specific and we'll hit her back again in the future with a more specific request. But that's halfway there. We can't really put the entire Green Day library in the Spotify playlist. (laughs) So you'll have to send it to Scott, your exact pick. Rebecca, any parting thoughts? We appreciate you hopping on as well before we depart for today. No, I appreciate you giving this Women's Summit and DARM a platform to be discussed because, again, it's not always about the loudest voice in the room. I think Amy did a smashingly good job. I'm so glad that they both happened and I'm so glad that we were able to participate no doubt. Awesome. It was a great time. And I certainly look forward to hopefully attending again next year where that ever happened. Maybe it may be in Nashville, may not be. I'm not sure. Um, but as it comes out, I'm sure that I will be eager to sign up and potentially get another slot to speak or attend. So appreciate everyone who made it this far. Hopefully you got some value out of the episode. Uh, leave us five stars on Amazon or uh, sorry, not Amazon. Leave us five stars in your podcast app of choice. We appreciate it. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Art of Hospitality.